2: run fast option is brought to you by coach tube this week's coach fast coach tube corner is a course from an nfl legend jim mcnally since the theme of this pod is wide zone with coach Kaduti, i had to find a wide zone course that i felt would be great for you guys coach mcnally brings his 28 years of nfl coaching experience to this video and it will not disappoint coach mcnally goes into an exhaustive and detailed explanation of the most common zone plays in the game today With everything you need to know about how to run them, how defenses will try to stop them, and what you can do to adjust. The course contains, of course, wide zone. It also talks about tight zone, pulling the tackle on zone, running the zone against the bear, and more. The hour 50 minute plus course has 10 chapters. And two of those chapters are free for you to preview. Including the chapter on the wide zone and the tackle pull technique for wide zone. If you're interested in this course... Go to bit.ly/slash OFFTube. Again, that's bit.ly/slash OFFTube. Now, going forward, these links will be up for the week of the show. So, if you're listening to this in the future, it may not link. So, you can just go to coachtube.com and search for Jim McNally, and his courses will be there. But I will be featuring these courses with an easy-to-remember link. Hint, hint, hint. The defensive ones will be DEF, tube. Because in the words of the great Reggie Redman, I'm just trying to help you out. Hey, now. Welcome to the third episode of the Run Fast Option Podcast. My name is Chris Fasser, a.k.a. Coach Fass. Thank you so much for joining me. Today we have Fulcher High School Head Coach and Offensive Coordinator, Nick Kaduti joining me to talk about wide zone, how he teaches it, some of the adjustments, and we get into some other topics. Namely, his interaction with Catapult Sports and the YouTube fiasco. I want to warn you guys up front, the language does get a little spicy. So parental advisory is suggested. Housekeeping, follow me on Twitter at CoachVast, the show's account at RunVastOption, as well as the defensive podcast at MDGA Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show, rate, and review it. It helps coaches find the show and helps me look cool. So a nice little rating and review would be much appreciated. Also, check out the new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CoachVastFootball as well as the Patreon, patreon.com slash coachvass. Thank you to the sponsors, CoachTube and Huddle, which, by the way, people have been asking about the Huddle 21 Blitz replays. You can log in to blitz.huddle.com to watch those. Eventually, they will be migrated over to a site that will take each session to its own blog page. But for now, they are still up at blitz.huddle.com. My website is coachvass.com. And if you forget all this stuff, just remember linktree.com slash CoachVass. I'll have links to everything that I do all in one place. Last thing and a major announcement, on Monday, April 5th, 2021, at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, I will be doing a Q&A with NFL Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner. Yes, the Kurt Warner. If you are interested in attending, you have to register. It's free. Just go to bit.ly slash Kurt QA register. Again, that's bit.ly slash Kurt, K U R T, QA register. And if you have a question for Kurt, you can go to bit.ly slash Kurt Warner 13. Again, that's bit.ly slash Kurt Warner 13 to submit a question for Kurt to answer on the QA. All right, let's hear from Coach Kaduti.
0: Get into it, man.
2: My guest today is Nick Caduti, head coach and offensive coordinator at Fulcher High School and Houston, Texas. Coach, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Nick. guy. Come on, man.
2: No, I, uh, when I made the list of coaches that I wanted on, you were one of the first names for high school guys. A lot of people that I really respect and that know the game said you're one of the best offensive line speakers they'd heard. And obviously, I've seen your stuff before as well so i'm i'm happy i know you've got i know you've got a lot going on right now just talking to you a little bit before the interview so i i I appreciate you taking some time out of your busy sunday evening to speak with me and uh thank you to you know pass along my thanks to the wife and kids for letting you get away for a little bit and talk some ball on a sunday night
0: (laughs) no man it really i'm as busy as i am i just love talking ball and I've been I've been a head coach now for three weeks here in Texas, and this might be the first time I've actually had a chance to talk football and not some administration stuff. So I'm excited.
2: I promise no paperwork. Amen. Well, before we get into the topic for today, give us a little brief background on how you got to Fulcher, your your coaching path, and how you made it out that way.
0: Yeah. So for the most part, you know, I I, I when I when I grew up, I grew up a son of an immigrant. My dad was uh, that from Argentina, and I grew up in Philadelphia. And my dad actually played for the Redskins in the mid-70s for a couple of years and played offensive line. So football's always kind of been my thing. And so, you know, most part I went and, you know, I played college football, um, played at two small schools, and then I was lucky enough to uh, play professionally for about four years, bounced around the NFL, Canada, Arena Football League, NFL Europe. Um, and learned a lot from a lot of great coaches, um, including the system that I run um, has been some of the stuff I've learned uh, when I played. And so, you know, I got the itch, uh, decided I wanted to do a little bit of college coaching. So I did a couple college stints, um, uh, a little bit everywhere. And then my wife basically told me, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. So uh, the college life was done for me. And so I moved to Missouri, where my wife is from, and I became a head football coach at a school just north of Springfield called Marshfield, Missouri. And I was there for about four years. Man, met some great people, had a great time, um, but I wanted to step back and uh, didn't want to be head coach anymore. And so I wanted to make decent money, and I really wanted to know what Texas high school football was like outside of recruiting it. So I got the opportunity to meet with a guy named Kevin Flanagan, who is also a heavy, heavy uh, wide zone guy. And um, you know he he let me be his receivers coach, and next thing you know, and it's my first year there, I was the co DC, and the next year after that, I was the OC, and moved to a school called Tomball High School in Northwest Houston, and I've been out as a coordinator assistant head coach there for four years, and I just got this uh, this this job here at Fulcher High School, which is a fairly new school in uh, Southwest Houston, so um, it's a real quick run around in my life, but uh, it's I've been real lucky, got some great stories, brother.
2: Sounds like it. Sounds like you have had a hell of a ride. And uh, again, congratulations on the new gig. So before we get started, I want to get flamed by the people that listen to this. We're going with wide zone, not outside zone.
0: Yes, man. It, there is a difference in my world and wide zone is what we do.
2: Okay, that's fine. If it's wide zone, you know, when in Rome, I'm interviewing you, you call it wide zone, I call it wide zone. Just, uh, just don't check my huddle account. Cause I still label it as stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies. So is there, is there a difference in your, I mean, I know you said in your world there's wide zone. Do you, do you delineate a difference? Do you have an outside zone? Do you have a stretch or is it just what you call wide zone? Like are those variations of other plays that you run? Is that why the name's different or how does that work? Well,
0: so I learned a long time ago. Um, and, and you know, one of, the, one of the Kubiaks had kind of told me that basically the different types of things are simply this. It's all about aiming points for the running back and aiming points for the O-line. So outside zone was a true stretch. It was We were aiming four yards outside the tight end's butt, and we were trying to get to the edge as fast as we could. Wide zone was aiming at the butt of the tight end. Uh, inside zone is the inside foot of the guard, and tight zone is the butt crack of the center. I think the philosophy of understanding the tracks and how to block zone is necessarily just getting away from gap and understanding that you can change the play just simply by changing the flow of the defense. So that's, that's my philosophy. So there's an outside, wide, mid and inside and tight.
2: Okay. Cause you hear those, those words. And I think some people use them inter, you know, they, they interchange the words thinking, Oh, outside zone and wide zone and stretch is the same thing. So, or, or maybe I'm just an idiot, but I know that like even, even offensive buddies of mine that talk, I think that they sometimes, because they only use one of the two, like most guys that I know that run the play, they run inside zone and they run wide zone. And so I think that sometimes the term inside and mid zone get used interchangeably. Or maybe they're not using it interchangeably, but somebody is interpreting as such. So now let me ask this before we get started. So the old Colts play, Peyton Manning, where yeah. he looks like he's about to fall over, that was outside zone, right? That was stretch. Or was that s- supposed to be wide zone? You know what I'm talking about? Where he can almost fall over, handing yeah. off the ball?
0: Yeah. So here's what, like, this is something you can tell by quarterback footwork, especially under center. If it is true outside zone the quarterback has to open and sprint to meet the running back. If it's wide zone, um, the quarterback's going to open at 5 or 7 and he's going to get about 3 steps into it before the running back meets him. You know, so what I you know what you try to explain to people is if you watch if you watch like Kyle Shanahan's the 49ers or you watch, you know, um, Kubiak when he was when he was in Minnesota so on and so forth or, or Houston when the quarterback goes from under center, when he run, when they want to run wide zone, it's just a three step uh, release from the from the center. So right. you can always tell the difference with a quarterback in that manner.
2: See, I think that's so interesting because, as most people know that listen to this, is I'm a defensive coach. I've coached offense before. I did work with our offenses, whatever I was more than I cared to admit out loud. You know, I got a rep to keep and all that <laughs> stuff. But in all seriousness, I think it's one of those things that. As defensive coaches, if you have a front, for example, let's, let's say power, for example, when we used to play the double wing, they had five different ways to run the teams that we played at five different ways to run it, but we would only see one or two because of the front we were presented. Right. And so in our brain, in my brain, and maybe this is telling on where I'm coming from, but I would say, oh, that's power. They adjusted it this week to run power this way because of the front we run but we still think it's ice would still would classify it coming from the defensive side of the ball as the same play. Like we right. would never get. Well, and again, this is where I'll be humbled and you can maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but we played a lot of three and seven technique or three and six technique. So we didn't get a lot of wide zone. We got more of the outside zone because they were trying to capture the edge real fast and because there was no, our our force player was out there. Right. And so we never saw, or we did, but it wasn't as prevalent as the wide zone for us. We saw more outside, like true outside. And so I think that some coaches think, well, that's the same play. They're just changing how they're blocking it or executing it versus us this week, which, I mean, I, I you could argue, but I don't think yeah, you win. And, yeah. and so I think that now as you, coming from the offensive side, you're really approaching this where, yeah, there's there's some differences like you said. It's how the uh, how you're adjusting for the defense, but the aiming points are a little different. But for some of those plays, who you're blocking is the same. It's just you know you're changing up your technique or whatever. So
0: it's all about aiming points. And I I give you a little tidbit. So if you go back and watch the Rams and you watch McVeigh how they teach it, mm-hmm. their wide zone and their mid zone are the same play, but it's predicated on where the defensive end is playing. So let's say, they, let's say they run like a two-man blocking surface. Right. If there's a wide nine, then they're, they're going to run mid-zone. Not, they're not going to run wide zone because they know there's no point in making the tackle off to try to get out there even harder. They know they're not going to get the edge, but the idea is if I can create the illusion, I can keep that kid out there by himself and there's no big deal. But if they're playing like a tight five or as it is a three-man surface and you got like a tight seven, they, they're going to push it a little wider to get everything moving. So like some people will do it just based on what they see in front of them. And they'll just change the aiming point in the play.
2: See, that makes sense. And in here, I was thinking the the whole time it was the same play. They're just adjusted for the front, like you said, but I don't think in conversations I've had with some coaches that they actually realize that they're classified as different plays instead of being like, Hey, it, it like, okay, you're running a curl route, but these these DBs play really heavy outside. So let's snap it inside more this week than we would, you know, versus, hey, we're going to turn straight and come back towards the, the quarterback because the DBs are ultra aggressive, trying to undercut. So you want to protect the ball, you know, where it's six and way half does the other. Do you call it something else or do you tweak what what you're going to do that week? So it's interesting now. So let's talk about the wide zone. Is that your starting point when you're teaching the system?
0: Yeah. So for me and, and what I do is the entire, like my philosophy is really simple. And I think that a lot of coaches probably, they probably have the same idea, but for me, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to have a, a system and I'm going to have an identity and everything that I do is going to be to protect that identity. Um, you know, I was on an interview with, with a great college coach one day and the interview question that stumped me. He asked me, he said, if it's third and two, and you need a first down to win the game. What are you running? And I literally just looked at him and I was like, Well, what defense? He goes, It doesn't matter. I said, Well, you know, we're on the field. I, it doesn't matter. He said, If you have to ask me those questions, you don't have an identity. And he said, If you have an identity on third and two, you know what you're running. They know what you're running. And everybody in the stands knows what you're running. And it doesn't matter because that's who you are. And I said, You know what? You're right. And I kind of ran with it. So everything we do predicates off of wide zone. Everything we do It's so the, it is day one install and it is the one thing that we're going to perfect.
2: See, I I want to push back on that a little bit cuz I get what he's saying, but I I mean if the defense though is lined up like okay, you know, we saw this a lot especially with power. Power mm-hmm. has this in being in the Bay Area seeing a lot of wing T, double wing, single wing we played half our schedule. It was power. And yeah. I understand that you need to have an identity. And I want to kind of, I want to kind of hear your take on this, but if you know that, and I know that, and I play a three, five and nine with a safety down, you know, a, a safety sitting in a 70 technique, right over the tight end. Like, doesn't, doesn't that make you change your mind a little bit? I mean, you know what now wide zones different? Cause it's, it's, there's so many compliments as we've addressed already that's that are there that you can make these small tweaks, but I don't know. I I've played coaches like that where you use their, their attitude against them. Okay. You're going to run power. Cool. Now, again, I know that, and that's where I think your system is good because it's flexible enough to, Hey, we're going to run this play, but we have these built in things that, you know, because what's one of the oldest offensive systems that are still used today? Wing T, right? What's their number one rule? Don't right. run to a walled city. Right. You know what That's I right. mean? Where the wide zone has the, the capability to say, Hey, Oh, they have three people in the sea gap. Well, we should do something, you know, like we're going to adjust it like this, but I get right. what he's saying now. I mean, do, am I making sense at all on this? And
0: yeah, no, 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 totally. And so like, what I did was I kind of ran with that idea. And so, again, it kind of made me think, I just need an identity. right? And so, you know, for us, like this year, we back and look at our, at our stuff and our stats and our breakdowns. You know, if it was fourth down and three or between three and six, I was going to run some form of a boot off of my wide zone. I was going to do it because right. I was so heavily predicated on running wide zone on those short yard situations that people would often make mistakes on their own because they would oversell that. But it was still my identity, right? It was still the, you know, I'm not picking from a grab bag of plays. I'm picking, I'm going to run this play. Now, what formation, what motion, what comes with it? Eh, That might be different every time. But the thought process is if you're going to do everything you can to stop it, then I might, I have to have an answer within my system. Make
2: sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I guess that's the part about having a system. Is you're thinking a collection of plays rather than we're going to run B Gap ISO. You know, okay, well, great, but they're in the bear. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. Okay, That's so that, that makes that makes more sense. Cause and I just I'm sensitive to this because I played in the league where and I've talked about this on the other podcast, where they wanted to turn it in the American Revolution. All right, we're all gonna stand or old timey wars. We're all gonna stand across from each other and then we're going to shoot at the same time, and whoever's got the bigger bullet's going to win. And I'm like, well, what if we hid in the, the bushes and shit? Like, what if we didn't stand in front of them so they could fire? And it was like we'd come in with this. We stemmed our fronts and shifted, and people it was like, we were some aliens from another planet. And I'm looking around going, what the hell is going on? Because we saw teams like that. I, In fact, I coached at a program where their answer – to the question that you were uh, given by the college coach was, we're going to run power right out of the double wing. And they lost back-to-back games to the same team in the same year that ran the double wing too, because they knew that. And so now that you've explained it more and I'm seeing how the system all fits, that's why I push back. And I don't want you to think like I'm challenging you or anything. I was just trying to understand, which I'm glad I asked because now this all makes more sense to me um, that you have a system that's flexible enough that, Hey, if they put Aaron Donald or whatever the high school equivalent would be to to your guys in the C gap, and we want to run a play in the C gap, we can do this. Or if everybody pinches, like they got no edge, you can do this. So,
1: it's, right. it's
0: very it's very flexbone. If then, if they do this, right. then I do this.
2: See, that's great. That's great. That's uh, well for some people, for those defensive guys, you got to take it easy on them, man. <laughs> <laughs> So, so talk to me about the wide zone. It's day one. You're going to be at Fulcher High School. You're also the offensive coordinator, and you're going to go put in your wide zone. What's your starting
1: point?
0: Starting point is it's broken into a couple things. So, very much like the Veer, we have got to work the mesh point between the quarterback and the running back. So, for us, we're on our quarterback, if we have a running quarterback, we're going to offset it, uh, and more more than we're going to boot it. And I'll explain that later when we talk about it. But if I go pistol, it's usually because my quarterback isn't a runner. If I go offset, it's because the kid has a running threat. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna work that mesh point, and we're gonna work it and work it and work it. But really, what's important is that offensive line and understanding. You know, we've got to bring home and make sure these kids understand that I'm not asking you to do something physically impossible. I'm asking you to get your face at an aiming point. I'm asking you to just get your second step on the ground faster than him. And I'm going to ask that you know where you're going. So for us, it's about getting kids to understand day one, install. What is my aiming points? Offense. So uh, example, running back, his aiming point is the outside foot of the tight end. So he's going to rocker step and he's going to screen to that outside point of the t- outside foot of the tight end for five steps. His path will not change. It is true and through from game one to game whatever. He is gonna rocker step and he's gonna run to the outside for the tight end. And whatever happens in front of him is gonna dictate what happens on his cut. The offensive line has to understand that their aiming point is the play side nipple of the defender in front of them. But we're gonna aim with the screws of our helmet. I am I I, do I can't stand hand blocking. I think that the I think the old like the inside zone has given this really you know, like I'm talking about like the two-point stance inside zone has kind of given this image to the offensive line play that it's very finesse, and it's very soft, and it's very, and I can't, I, I can't stand it. And so for me, it's, you know, we are a zone team, but brother, we are not soft. We are running downhill now. So our aiming point, face, play side nipple, and you're going to try to, you're going to go nipple to dick meaning your foot is going to take itself to the aiming point of the nipple your back foot is going to try to try to split the crotch and aim at as dick something odd that we do that i really don't over teach i don't teach steps so my my theory and philosophy has always been this if i teach you an aiming point and you put your face there your feet will follow if i try to teach you to take a six inch step at 45 degrees over a pvc pipe you know what happens if that five becomes a wider five and now that step isn't the same thing we've worked over and over and over. So for me, it's the flexibility of your aiming point is going to be that play side nipple. You're going to put your face on it. Your feet will follow your face. If if you were standing there and you started moving your face, but you didn't move your feet, your feet would follow. But if you moved your feet, your face doesn't have to follow. So that's kind of what, how we teach it. So day one install is that. Um, and so if we break it up really simply. So the first thing I teach all offensive linemen is the solo blocks, right? You gotta learn how to block and be by yourself in this play. We teach the front side solo and a backside solo. We tell them what they're a part of, what their purpose is, what their objective is, and then we teach them then we teach them how to combo. So once you teach the solo, you can teach the rest of the offense. The whole thing is interchangeable. So a center can play tackle, tackle can play guard. It doesn't matter because everyone has the same rules and same ending points.
2: Does that make sense? Absolutely. So where do you progress? So you start with the solo blocks and then you're going to go in tandem.
0: Yeah. So what we'll do is we'll start with solo blocks and we're going to work the hell out of it because we want these kids to understand that this is not a soft play. We're going to get downhill. We're going to put the face at the point of where it needs to be. When we start working the tandem blocks is when we start working, when we start working the covered, uncovered rules of zone. And it's very similar to inside zone like anything else. So, you know, for us, it's if you're covered, all right, and you're uncovered, the guy beside you, you're working go to the combo that we've given. The covered guy, the difference in inside the wide zone is the covered guy cannot get beat away from his help. So, for example, if I'm a guard and I have a three on me, and my center is to the left of me and he's helping me, I can't get beat away from him. So, that three, I know that I can now just freaking tee off on the outside play side nipple of that of that three, knowing the center is coming to as hard as he can down that way. So, getting those kids to understand that that combo is so crucial that you have to just got to tee off on that kid, all right, that you get the opportunity to run that kid down. So we don't even put a linebacker in the first few days because we want these kids to get the feel. We want them to look at the feet of the D lineman in front of them, right? So the covered guy knows I've got to make contact with this guy in two steps. Got to get my face at the aiming point. I'm going to try to get off the ball. The uncovered guy has got to try to make contact in three steps with that guy. So he's going to put his face and place that nipple. Now the reason I don't teach steps is if I'm the center and I got to go reach a three step is going to be a hell of a lot flatter than that covered guys is right. So he's going to have to take that step and he's got to try to get his face in that guy's nipple in three steps. Now, I don't know about you unless you've got some crazy random defense I've never heard of the D lineman can only do one of three things. If I'm uncovered, he can go at me, he can go away from me, or he can go straight down or he can go straight down the pipe of the guy he's playing in front of. So all we do is look at feet if that uncovered guy gets fl- color to me, then I'm going to knock that covered guy off his block. And I'm going to hook. If I see color away, then I'm going to take my three steps. I'm going to climb to the second level and I'm going to block the linebacker on the angle I find. him. And then I'm going to, if I see color hanging, then I'm going to take my three steps and I'm going to shove the living piss out of that kid. And I'm going to, and I'm going to climb to the back or the angle I find him. The whole thing is a big dance, bro. And that's what people understand. Like, this is one of those things, if you watch those good wide zone teams, they get really good at it weeks down the road because it's a dance, man. You, I, have you heard the term, you know, dancing bears? Yes. Yeah, and that's what this is, man. It's five guys working together in unison with a running back behind him taking the angle that delivers the defense to the offline. line. And that's the big thing. In this offense, I tell people all the time.
2: Quick note from me, Coach Fass. Coach's phone kind of broke up and was really garbled. So what he's about to say was, I tell people all the time, the running backs have to practice more with the offensive line in this system than any other offense because how the play works together. Sorry about that. We'll get back to Coach.
0: It really boils down to that, that the running backs got to deliver
2: the O-line. And
0: the O-line's got to understand that I don't have to leave to go block a linebacker because the running back is delivering him to me. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's on like inside zone, inside zone. You know, they'll tell guys to climb to the backer. And, you know, for us, it's, it's just not the way it is. Sorry. I hope that makes sense. Sorry.
2: Right. No, that, that does make sense. So you, you work the solos, you work the doubles, the backs are with you. Before we get in the back reads, talk to me about how it's different when you're in the gun. Versus in the pistol or under center in terms of the footwork.
0: So really we, we want to try to keep it as simple as we can. So we'll tell the running backs, you're always going to rocker step and you're going to put your shoulders on the train track that you need to. So your aiming points the outside for the tight end. So your shoulders need to take yourself to that aiming point because your shoulders are also going to take the linebackers and the secondary to that point too. And so for us, it what if tell all, those running backs, when you turn yourself and you get and you get your shoulders to your ending point out of offset, now in your first three steps, you've got to try to catch the center, because the center is kind of what happens. So if you think about like the old school, like Denver Broncos Shanahan um, life, think about Terrell Davis when he was back there. The whole thing happens down the middle line. So the center, the quarterback and the running back all work together to create this flow and to cut the defense at half. So when you have the, when you have it in pistol, just like you would in a center running back, going to, he's again, he's going to rocker step his first step, which means he's going to step opposite foot. He's going to turn his shoulders to his aiming point, the outside foot of the tight end. And then after he does that, he's just going to run for five steps and he's going to put his foot in the ground. Well, because he's already at the midpoint of the football play he doesn't have to try to hurry up and get across. When you're offset, you're behind the play a little bit, so you have got to try to create that flow and try to catch up with the and try to catch up with the center. So, because the center is majority of the time, the center is who you're going to cut
2: off of. Makes sense. So, what are those back reads? Can we go over those?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first thing people understand: running back reads are important. Okay, so. I don't know about you, but every kid I've ever, every every kid I've ever coached, unless he's just really well coached, every running back stares at the freaking football when he gets the handoff. <laughs> I think they learned that in Pop Warner and it bothers the piss out of me. So we make it a we make it a point that those guys have got to know you have got to look at your reads and not the ball. So the first read is always the in-man line of scrimmage. Now, when I say that, I also say it in the manner of, if you're in a bare front or you're in a three, four, you reduce a guy down or you walk a guy down and you're still on an odd front, then that moment, that's, what's going to, that's what we tell people that moment, you know, you're going to, you're not going to read that fourth defender. You're going to read the MLI scrimmage. So example, if you were a four, two, five guy, you're reading mm-hmm. the defensive end, four, three defensive end, three, four, I'm never going to read an outside linebacker because I'm never going to get outside of him. Does that make sense? Right. So he's going to read MLS scrimmage to the next down lineman. Off uh, front, he's going to read the nose guard. Even front, he's going to leave the neck, either the three or the shade or whatever that guy is going to be. So we tell him in your first three steps, you're going to know if you're going to get the edge or not. So by the time you get the ball in your hand, you're going to know. If you know you're not going to get the edge and that that MLS scrimmage has crossed your your track, then your eyes are going to snap to the next down lineman. But you cannot divert from your path that we put you on, those five steps to the outside for the tight end. Mm. On your fifth step, you're going to put your foot in the ground, and you're going to get vertical, and you're going to cut off of that next down lineman. So that's why when people talk about the center being the key to the whole play, you're going to cut off of that center, and that's that next down lineman. That center is either hooked him or pushed him or one or the other.
2: So you never transfer your eyes to the second level. No, no,
0: because again, think about, think about this. So the philosophy on it is my shoulder angles are going to carry you guys where I want you to go. The offensive line has the same kind of idea. So when we talk about a big dance, the O line is stepping for free. If, if they can't hook in three, then they're going to climb vertically. By the time the running back has decided on his third step where his, where he's going to go, the run, the O-line has now decided what they're doing too. So it all works together. So I don't care what that linebacker is doing because I've delivered him to the O-line and the O-line knows where he's going. Makes sense.
2: Makes perfect sense. All right, coach, let's get into wide receiver blocking. What do you teach in there?
0: You know, so I think, you know, I always heard the statement, you know, no, no block, no rock thing, you know, that a lot of coaches get into, but I think that people understand because this play is such a horizontal developing, slower developing play, that the third level blocking is so crucial on this play. And I would say, honestly, more so than some of the a gap B gap plays like power or ISO or so on and so forth, because, um, because those safeties can really, they can run fit a lot better and a lot easier based on the fact that they're having more time to see run pass and they get a chance to see gaps move. So we really get into our, our receivers, but the first thing we have to tell them is safeties are more important than corners. We will never block a corner unless we have to. So for us, our rules are real simple. If we see, if we see too high, okay, if we see too high, we're going to push crack everything. Okay. So, the philosophy is, if I'm, example, let's say you see in tight front or an odd front, and you see that walk down safety in the box, mm-hmm. the slot receiver's got to he's got to push crack that kid. We have got to get him blocked, and then the guy over him is going to get blocked by the outside receiver, and we're going to let the corner go. So it's about understanding. Okay, we've got to push crack to that guy, and I'll be honest with you, if if they're in a one high cover three look, we will double team that that safety with two inside receivers because I am so adamant about the receiver understanding that that third level is the difference between a 10 yard gain and a touchdown.
2: All right. We'll have much more from coach Caduti after the break. Make defense great. Again is also brought to you by huddle. Hey coaches. Did you tune in to huddles blitz 21 summit? If you did, you already know if you didn't, you missed the unveiling of Huddle's new AI camera for outdoor venues. The crazy thing is, the camera's actually hands-free. That's right, hands-free. As in, you don't have to touch a thing. It automatically tracks the action on the field without a camera person needing to zoom or pan. It automatically starts recording based on your Huddle schedule. And that's not all. It live streams for your fans that can't be at the field. It automatically clips plays and uploads videos. So you can start reviewing as soon as the game's over and if you've got huddle sideline yes this replaces your press box angle and by the way this is a one-time installation it takes just a few minutes to set up you mount it you set it and you forget it and this will be ready for your program in 2021 and if you've got the athletic department package this device comes at no extra cost learn more about everything this incredible camera does and how it fits into your program by visiting huddle.com slash coach Once again, that's huddle.com slash coach Check it out today and tell them coach Vass sent you. So what are some of the main tags that you run with the play things that you need to carry in your arsenal or kind of the top things that you want to have to be able to change? If you're seeing something that is not advantageous to what you want to do.
0: Yeah. And so if we talk about it's a system and so for me i always have some different different answers for different defenses or things that we're going to see you know a lot of people will always want to talk about you know what if you have a fullback how do you know who the fullbacks going to block how do you know you know who how to tag it how can you wham people and so on and so forth so what we've done is we've kind of created a philosophy you, know, you talked about a system and different plays previously you know but for for us i've gotten to the point where i don't even like communicating between kids because no offense, but 16-year-old kids controlling my career is, scarier, is scary already. Now I don't need them talking. <laughs> so <laughs> basically, we just, we. just if I have a two-man surface wide zone play, I call it one play. If I have a three-man surface wide zone play, I call it a whole other play. It's the same play, but I call it something different instead of tagging it so there's no communication. So, you know, Cleveland as opposed to Colt. So, you know, for us is – how are you going to determine that you want? Let's do a fullback. Let's say you've got a little squatty body, you know, spark plug back there that can just whip somebody's ass. So you want to use them like an ISO, or you want to insert him, or so on and so forth. Well, as a you need to figure out, okay, where do I want to insert him, and how do I make it easy on the offensive line to determine who goes where? And so, you know, for us, we just have calls within our system we have a way that our fullback can block anybody in the front seven or the back four, which is kind of crazy. But again, I told you how important those safeties are. Sometimes I will just send the fullback straight to the safety, just to wallop him, you know? And so I think a lot of people need to understand that it really, it's about having a system. Like if they're going to give me something, I got to have an answer. And those tags are such a crucial deal. Um, the thing I would tell people is if you're going to run wide zone, and you sure as hell better run boot and you better get real freaking good at it because, you know, I don't run a counter. I don't run any kind of pulling counter. Our counter is boot. If the backside DN comes screaming off the edge, I'm calling boot. It's that simple. Now your different tags off of boot are up to you how you want to handle it. But our boot has been our answer and will always be our answer to that heavy backside pursuit.
2: That's interesting. You don't run counter. Cause I know that was the, the guys that started running this stuff a lot that was one of their answers why why do you not like running the counter stuff is it just easier to control with the boot or too expensive or what's your what's your feelings on that
0: so you know really man think about it for me is i'd rather be perfect at something than okay at a bunch of things so especially at the high school level you only have so much practice time with these kids. And so if I can can get these kids really good at running wide zone combos and wide zone solo blocks, and I never have to work pulling, then I'm going to get so much better at this one philosophy. And as a football coach, it's my job to make their lives easier by creating a counter within the system. So our counters are, you know, we'll run reverses, we'll run jet sweeps, we'll run boots, I have versions of ways to counter what we're doing. It's just not old fashioned counter. In fact, I'll tell you a story. So we have a, this is this year, this past year, we had a, we had about three just legit OI for the first time in a long time. And a college coach had asked the kid, he's like, you know, what, what would your steps be if you were uh, going to skip pull? And the kid just looked at him and goes, what's a skip pull. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't teach it. Like, what's the point of teaching it? Why would I, to me, it's, why would I waste that time at practice? I'm going to run it six times, you know, however much I'm going to run in the game. That's how much time
2: I spend on practice on it. So, Good stuff, coach. It's it's always interesting to hear and talk to guys. And especially in the run game, you know, you talk to guys and why don't, and and I know, I get this conversation a lot. Of people say, well, "Why? Why do you think the four-two-five is the best defense out there?" I said, "I don't think it's the best defense out there, but it's the one I know, and it's the one I know how to fix." You know, like it's, you know. But you talk to guys, and for whatever your experiences or your path along the way, you've chosen this series of plays and this system, and you've developed it over time, and obviously, you're very, very good at it. And then you talk to guys. Oh my God, we can't live without counter tray. You know, it's it's just fun. <laughs> yeah. I love talking to different guys about their philosophies and how they get there. To me, doing right. these interviews, it's not so much the what or it's the why or the how. Like how, how did you get to be known as the wide zone guru? And I know you don't give me this bashful shit. Oh, I, I'm no guru. Blah blah blah. <laughs>
1: you
2: know, you save it for somebody else, buddy. I I know you're a humble guy and. <laughs> But I know there's some very, very smart people who are like you are the this is the guy on at this stuff like he is the man. As I mentioned, talking about systems and things, you know the the system that I know on defense and and for the just what I just said is I I prefer it because it's the one I know how to fix. Now, if there is a defensive system that just all of a sudden comes out that is just so much better that it's worth. My time to switch, I definitely would take into consideration. And that doesn't mean because I have the system that I don't venture out and I do other things. When we play odd fronts, we'll play bare fronts. We've done all that stuff forever, you know. But as I'm saying, I know how to fix the system for guys that are maybe going to get into wide zone for the first time or it's been in their playbook and they're thinking about featuring it more because they have a running back that they think would be good at running it or their offensive line is a lot more mobile. I hear that a lot from coaches where, you know, guys that are gap scheme, we're going to pry everybody out of there. Hey, we have more athletic linemen, I think. And we got this explosive back. Let's see if we can run some wide zone. What are some of the things for a, a guy that's doing this for the first time that doesn't have the experience? Like I talked about, like a, you know, know how to fix problems. What should they anticipate that teams are going to try to do to them? And what is the answer or the solution to those problems that you see the most when running this series?
0: You know, really what it boils down to, I think a lot of people understand, like you said, man, it's about what you know. It's about your answers within what you do. You know, for me, I, like we talked about before the flex bone, you know, background I had early in my career, you know, if they do something then i have to have an answer for that something so for me i have to know that i'm about to see some of the craziest stuff i've ever seen in my life because people will do some crazy stuff to stop something they don't understand and and i think that's where a lot of success comes from in our part is because a lot of people don't really understand how to stop it you know I think the Patriots got onto something when they played the LA Rams and what some people would call the most boring Super Bowl of all time, you know, which I really loved because it was like watching a chess match. And I'm sure you greatly appreciate it, my friend. But oh, I loved it. it, it. Goes... Oh, I did too, man. It was so good. That's off topic. But you know, but for the most part, it's about knowing, you know, what your system is. How do you stop so-and-so? How do you figure out something? You know, the one thing the Patriots did was they just basically put somebody in every gap and eliminated the double teams that they eliminated the double teams that are what make wide zones so successful. You know and that's really what it boils down to. Like I, for me as a coach, I I'm, trust me, I remember getting my ass whipped when I played in the league because those guys were just a whole lot better than I was, and I, there's nothing I could do. But anytime I had help with a buddy who was helping me block on a wide zone call, I always had a chance against those guys because I knew I had help. Now, when it goes to, when you put somebody in every gap, well, you're going to, something's going to happen. Like you're not going to be able to get double teams and you're going to have to ask guys to solo block across the board. And it took McVay an off season to figure out how to stop that. That makes sense. So, you know, for me, I tell people this, if you see somebody who rolls up in that thing and just puts a guy in every gap, then you've got to have one of two answers. One, how do you create double teams? Two, how do you get on the edge? So for us, like, you know, if we see, like, the bear front, you know, and everyone loves running the bear against what we do, I love seeing the bear because I have a couple answers. I'm going to treat it like a normal odd front, and I'm going to find a way to block your other guys you put in the box with other people. It's very simple for me. And, and, and the thing is, you just have to trust the system. You can't freak out. So, you know, when we see guys that like want to get into like the double A gap blitz, you know, what do you, what do you, defensive guys call the double A out of an even front? Uh, know, some,
2: I call it, well, I'm in a different system, but some people call it arrows, some people call it bullets, some people call it, I mean, there's a name, belly is one that's used. Yeah. There, there's no real universal term for it.
0: And that's like a huge thing. Like, that's the even guys' front the answer for, that we see. They put guys in the, they put guys in the, in the a gaps and then they, you know, they basically doing the exact same thing. Well, for me, you just have to have an answer to that. So I have a couple of answers that we run, but number one is you have to teach your kids what to do when they see that. But the other thing is get on the edge. You know, there's nothing wrong with pushing a tight end on the edge and blocking down and just running toss. So for us, I'll run toss, but my old line still runs wide zone. We just Blocked down on the foot, a tight end or a fullback. And we just go and run toss because you've put nine bajillion people inside the box. And if I don't have an answer for that, then I'm screwed. So that's something we see a lot of. And that was our answer was usually we're going to do something similar to uh, getting on the edge, or we'll do something similar to um, inserting a guy and whamming one of those guys in the a gaps. Um, the other thing that we see a bunch of that I try to tell people, you have to be ready for is a lot of guys are going to, they're going to try to send, they're going to try to send edge pressure and they're going to try to stop you from creating flow. So a lot of the odd front guys, what they'll do is they'll take that four eye and they'll just basically hold your tackle and they'll take that force player and just come screaming off the edge as hard as they can and just not just refuse to let you get flow. So it's our job as an offense. we got to figure out how to deal with that. So we'll change the look of what the defense sees by running the same play. So for example, if I see an odd front, we may out out with a tackle and guard to the outside linebacker to the defensive end and then insert the B-back with the linebacker. Or I might I might motion a guy to take the outside linebacker out of the way and we'll send the fullback to the front side inside backer so the double team can just stay double teamed on that four I or four. So, you know, it's for us, it's about kind of creating that, okay, this is what you want to do. We're not going to let you do it. My philosophy and when I, when I game plan for, I mean, lack of better terms, some people tell me I'm crazy, but I don't do it by formation. I don't, I don't overdo it. My philosophy is you're going to adjust to me because I am who I am and you're not going to make me, you're not going to make me change who I am. It's my job to stay in that identity we talked about previously.
2: Well, that makes sense. And I think there's some merit to what you're saying. And this goes back to, you know, forcing the issue, forcing the defense's hand, making them play on your terms. Yeah, I've seen a lot of stuff to try to stop stretch. Sorry. I've seen a lot of stuff to stop wide zone. Wow. Um, Uh, Come on, man. We played a team, St. Mary's and Stockton, the Rams. Uh, They're coached by... Some of the old UC Davis guys. Tony Franks is the head coach. This St. Mary's team was the best week one team I've ever seen. It looked like they were in playoff form in week one, running wide zone. And they absolutely demolished us. And the first year we played, the second year was a little bit more of a fight. We had, I mean, I, I hate to, not an excuse guy, but I will say this. It was 108 degrees at kickoff. We are not used to playing in those conditions, and the AC in our bus broke down. And it's a oh, couple God. hour ride. Yeah, I mean, so that's not why we lost, but I think it may have added to the cramping and some of the stuff. But then, but they got—I mean, they beat us fair and square. It's not even close. But the first—the first game was just an ass whooping. Yeah. And what's funny is the only thing that we did that really worked schematically was slanting away from the play and bringing a guy hot off the edge because they, they would get their the combos that try to get so wide yep. on those combos, and we were able to rip inside and get vertical. And maybe we just got lucky on those couple of plays, but it's funny when you're designing a defense, you don't think, okay, they're going to attack you really hard laterally to run a play to this side, let's move away from them. So it's just funny that like, yes. you know, I, I'm not Bill Belichick or anything, but somebody, you know, I've had a decent amount of experience that all this, the cool stuff you drop, you just get your ass kicked. And then the play <laughs> that you're like, well, let's try this. Cause we're getting just destroyed and it actually worked. And it worked. Yeah. And so, and maybe <laughs> yeah. it was just like, it worked because nobody was stupid enough to try it before. And so they didn't really work on it as much. I don't know, but it, you know, I, I think also from, and I try, I want to make this podcast not about defense, like offense for right, stuff. Right. That's not, that's not the point, but I will say giving my perspective on this, I think it's really, <laughs> it's disheartening to get reached as a three technique by a guard. It is really disheartening to get reached by the center. <laughs> so oh, yeah. do you want to talk about demoralizing? Like people say, Oh, this is the most demoralizing thing in football. No having a three technique who's foot to foot on a guard and the center is able to snap the ball and reach you is that's gotta be up there. <laughs> that's gotta be up there. And it, oh. and it plays with you, you know, and then you sneak in those wham plays where, you know, if the, and we didn't see as much of this cause we were an even front, but I'm sure you would run it. it was just, we just didn't see it, but, you know, you have certain plays or if a team sneaks in a little trap here and there and that, yeah. that guard is getting or that that three techniques getting real wide and really trying to slant, do some things. And then you just ear his ass. You know, it can <laughs> it can be it can be a long day for those guys. So anything else that you saw? Well, before we get into that, I, I do. You did say something that I kind of you said or you, you did say something that I kind of wanted to touch on and go back to. And I'm sure a lot of listeners were like, ask him about that. You said McVay, it took him an off season to figure out how to combat what Belichick did, which for those of you who don't know, they ran a front called tilt and it's an old front that goes back to, I think the nineties yeah. and there's different variations of it. And there's, you, there's an old jets playbook floating around from Mangini had it in there. I believe there's a Cornell playbook around there and it showed it tilt four. They played tilt four and three buzz. They called it tilt auto. And they had rules where they could play quarters to two by two and three by one. They had rules where they could play three buzz to two by two and three by one. And then they had what they called auto tilt auto zone. And then that would be quarters to two by two, three, two, uh, three by one. But they Mm -hmm. played the, what they tried to do is to the side of the play or the side they thought you were running to. They played a three, like you said, a three, a five, a nine. They played a six-one, depending on the formation. And then weak, they tried to two-gap the the G to the weak side, or right. they would heavy him up and play almost a zero on the center. And they would change it. I would try to figure. I mean, I, I went down the rabbit hole one day, but it was one of those things. It was just curious about. I got halfway in, I'm like, ooh, I don't really want to know this that bad. <laughs> like, I don't see a pattern, and ooh, I really regret doing this. And, and it's funny uh, that you mentioned this game because, shameless plug, um, I'm doing a YouTube uh, series on the Patriots 2018 playoff run. Now, I did their 5-0 package on third down, but I watched a lot of those plays going through it. And yeah. so I, I thought it was a really good plan Obviously, they held him to three points. But what, what did McVay do? How did he combat it? What, what was his answer starting in the 2019 season?
1: Well,
0: his, his, answer, his answer in 2018 was he started getting into four-man blocking surfaces to try to create an overload for that 3 you know, that three five nine look, and he would run weak. Um, and that was kind of his way to have an answer because McVay is not a big weak wide zone guy. Now, Shanahan, yes. McVeigh, no. So the other thing is, what he figured out was, I have to get on the edge without running jet. So if you go back and watch 2019, especially early with the Rams, you watch them run a ton. I mean, and I mean a ton of crack toss went out of the same formation, same motions. In fact, sometimes I forgot what game it was. It was a week two or three game. They were in that trip squeeze look. And they actually um, they actually had jetted a guy across the other way, which was to them normally the LA Rams would jet across to hold the linebacker and shift the second level over. And right. then they would slice that they would slice that Y or B back to the defensive end and they would run strong. So what he did was he actually he actually jet motioned that guy across and then he sent the B back across too. And he actually ran a version of crack toss out of that to the weak side because, like you said, people started to uh, figure out they were going to run strong and they started running that tilt front. So anytime they saw that tilt or they even saw the bear, they would just start running crack toss with different variations of the motions. And that's really what made some success for him. And then this year, uh, he had a couple new answers for it as well. He started running it a little bit more out of spread to get guys out of the box because he was predominantly a a reduced compressed set guy, um, big 21 personnel guy or 12 personnel guy, depending on who was in the game. But he wanted to stay in those confines of personnel groupings and he had to change because he was so predictable in that manner. Um, And so, yeah, really the crack toss was like the best thing he came up with. Um, out of the formations and motions that he ran, because he didn't have that in the repertoire in 2018, and they haunted him. He probably could have won. He probably could have won the Super Bowl if he would have.
2: It's so funny they say, "Oh, it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmys and Joes." Well, it is isn't the Super Bowl when you're going against Bill Belichick. I mean, yeah, when you get to no the Super Bowl, you, the, we we're under the understanding that the Jimmys and Joes are out there playing. You know, how many times <laughs> have you seen a team that's awful make the Super Bowl? It doesn't happen. Uh, no. But. It's funny you mention we're having this conversation because I feel like I'm stuck in a time machine. But my next YouTube project, I promise I'm not shoehorning this. And this is actually like this is this appropriate. And we'll get to YouTube in a second, by the way. But um, (laughs) but I'm studying the Bears from 2017 and 18. And I remember when the Patriots did what they did versus the Rams. I think it might have been James Light or somebody, I think it was James, said, oh, that's what Patricia did to the Rams when the Lions played the Rams. They ran that tilt front and basically gave the blueprint. Well, I, 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 I mean, I assume that that's true, but when I don't know, and again, it's one of those things I'd have to research that I may be bored with five minutes into it, but I'm watching the Bears, and they're playing the Rams that same year. And they're running what they call their 40 front, which is an old 6-1. It's it's 4-3 with both outside backers walked up. And I'm sitting here looking at it. And I literally was watching a handful of plays by chance right before we hooked up today. And so it's obviously somebody saw something. But, you know, you've always got to evolve. And it's so funny because in high school, I'm so used to seeing people trying to spread out. And I, for many years, didn't watch the NFL. I've told the story before because I coached at Sarah, and we played on Saturdays half the time. And so Sunday was not only a heavy work day for us. We would play every other game. We'd have like a short week. So not only was it a work day, it was like, you know, we'd play on a Friday, then play on uh, play on a Friday, then then play on a Saturday, 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 then play on a Friday. So we really had no time, and so. I didn't really pay attention to the NFL defenses for a very long time. And I remember watching McVeigh that year because that year I moved to Clovis and we played on Fridays. And I, I was living with our head coach who watched ball a little bit more. And there was yeah. that Rams Chiefs game during the regular season. It was like 50 to oh, 40 the, or something. The Monday,
0: the Monday night game. Yeah.
2: Was it Monday night? Okay. Yeah. So I'm watching this and I'm like, why is this offense so? Because they kept condensing everything. I'm like, why is this such a thing? Like I was so confused. Cause it was just like, who could throw the over route better? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. how is this like, how, how is this happening? I mean, they were getting those, those over routes, especially when the, the uh, chiefs were running it. Tyree kills just wide open. Oh yeah. And then I didn't understand that there had been a big shift to one high in the NFL. And then I, okay. Then I understood it after the season, but and I just remember being looking at Rich and be like, why don't they play over quarters and like do some stuff? And then I watched the Super Bowl. I was like, all right, well, I, I guess it wasn't too far off, but it's funny now to watch some of the stuff and you can see these guys learning and evolving. I mean that's 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 it's how it's gonna be till the end of days, like this game. It's crazy. It works, what, what do you think it's gonna be in fifty years? Unless they change the rules, like everybody says there's there's only so many innovations left, but like it, it's crazy to think about the innovations. Just watching NFL tape again, I'm watching oh seven or I'm watching seventeen and eighteen games. Just in the last three years, the NFL's changed so much. It's crazy.
0: Oh, dude, so much, so much. Well, think about the compressed sets, and think about like when you talked about there was this huge push for the four wide, five wide. Let's rip it and now everyone's starting to come back into the box right and it's like wow like this is completely changing and and the same thing happens in high school like out here i started running compressed sets about three years ago i mean and predominantly and, and andrew coverdale and i are friends and i mean the dude wrote the book on it literally right you know and and so for me it's like i started like really picking his brain and i'm like man i and I started of realizing god you can create extra gaps like you can move like it's the single wing philosophy but not running the single wing right you know and that's it, like the idea i'm going to outnumber you out leverage you i'm going to do everything i'm supposed to do to make you wrong and so that is really truly what i love so much about like you said, the adjustment and, and the, the, the way things change. And they, to be honest with you, man, I love that fullbacks are coming back into football.
1: <laughs> I yeah. do, yeah. Because,
0: you know, and, and I'm just, you know, for me, people talk about, you know, like, you know, you have athletes, put them in space and well, dude, I don't have athletes. So what, tell me again, how space is helping me,
1: <laughs> you know, yeah. I have to
0: make, I, I have to make things happen. I have to manufacture that over route. I can't just outrun people. Right. So I have to put everything in the box and then I have to, I have to run wide zone and I got to run it well enough that you suck up so I can run the over route behind you. And that's the philosophy. Like you said, I just absolutely love the way the game has changed and it's just, it's fun to watch.
2: Yeah, it really is. Um, it it's, I feel that information and maybe this is not true, maybe at the NFL level, but with college, I think with the new agreement with XOs again, we'll get to that in a minute, but <laughs> with all the schools getting each other's film, I think information is being exchanged at a much more rapid pace because I had, right. I had college guys hitting me. Hey, do you know where I get this film? Hey, do you? I'm like, what? Like you're a co- college football coach in the, in the SEC. Like, why the hell are you asking me? I should be asking you, you know, and now that yeah, they're dude.
0: And it's true
2: having this open exchange, I think the ideas are pushing faster and I know guys, they will remain nameless that the first thing they do when they come in on Sunday is they will watch an opponent that they're not playing or maybe opponent may be the wrong word. They watch another team that they like or are similar to stylistically.
1: And Just, see what they're going
2: to see what they're doing and they might not even be playing a common opponent. They just want to see what they're doing and they're able to do that now. And there's so much of that that goes around and and it's a, you know, they always say it's a copycat league, but now you, you said, this is a system. You mentioned the, some of the other runs real quick. You do have a website and you do have a system there. I want you to go ahead and plug that you know, tell, tell coaches if they like what they hear, where they can find it. And then maybe talk about some of the other complimentary pieces to the system. This is more than just, Hey, how to run wide zone.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so, but so I started getting a lot of, you know, you, you kind of, you made me, you made me laugh being the wide zone guru thing, you know, but I, the thing is I was really lucky. I learned a lot from a lot of good dudes and I just, I have no problem sharing what I've learned and, and I have no problem sharing what I've researched. And I'm kind of like you, I'm a football nerd, right? I don't have a hobby. My hobby is breaking right. down film. I enjoy it. And so, you know, people kept asking, Hey, how would you do this? Hey, how would you run this? Hey, what would you do here? And someone convinced me like, Hey, why don't you just, why don't you just um, make your system and, and just pay it for them. And, and so I kind of went through the process, like, you know, maybe, you know, and I was like, so I finally decided to do it and it's taken off. And really the because the philosophy for my, my system is simplicity. Right. And I have a big run and shoot background too. And, and so a lot of my passing system is based off of the run and shoot. So uh, it's called the wide shoot. You know, it's real clever, right?
2: So I like it.
0: Um, you know, and the reason, and a lot of people don't know the run and shoot. Now that now, I know that they came out with the certification stuff and I know all those guys really well and I don't blame them, you know, but the stuff I was kind of teaching people was, you know, stuff that people weren't talking about and how to run those option concepts. And and so really the, 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 system is, um, I send everybody huddle, huddle, uh, clinics that I've had and I send them installs. And I, what I did was I, I recorded myself on a zoom talking to a couple of coaches that was the first time I ever did it. And basically I go through everything from quarterback run game to the wide zone, to the boot game, to duo, uh, you know, the inside, what's the difference inside zone and duo, you know, I'll get into that. And then, um, you know, I talk about the run and shoot concepts and how we run them and how we teach them. And it's like, I think it's like 14 hours of straight video, not to mention the the spreadsheets I have for how I call plays and stuff like it, my if band sheets. Um, So it's really all that boils down to And it's really, it's, it's fairly cheap. and, And you know, I'm, I'm always there. I tell guys, Hey, listen, welcome to it. Shoot me a call. Uh, you know, if you guys, this is my cell phone number, man, text me anytime you want. I'm I'm pretty much open game. So.
2: It's great stuff. Go ahead and give out that website coach.
0: Yeah. It's, it's coach You sp-
2: You spell that for me.
0: Yeah. C O A C H C O D U T T I.
2: And I'll put that in the show notes guys. If you, uh, if you're driving or doing something where you can't write it down, if you go into the show notes, it ha- it'll have a timestamp with everything from the show. I'll also put a link there so you can go to Coach's website and check that out. Um, now, I-, I I can't let you go without asking this. So let's talk about YouTube. If you want to, if you don't want to, we don't have to. Uh, no, let's do it. Man. I know a lot of people were very upset. I was very. I went nuts, uh, and frankly. I'd probably put a target on my back. I wouldn't be surprised because they hadn't been messing with me. And I just, I'm so, it made me so freaking angry. and, And some people didn't understand why. And I've been in this game now, 17 years. I have seen every Tom, Dick and Harry come in here to grab a buck and go after high school coaches who are just trying to learn. You're not hurting anybody competitively anymore with this new open exchange. Everybody gets everybody's film. The only person not getting the film that really wants it is the high school coach. That's right. And you're going to pick on them. Yes. Why not go out? I don't want I don't want to. I, 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 I've already put the target on my back for them to come after me. I'm not going to put the target <laughs> on worry. other people's back. It's just so infuri. It makes me so angry. But anyway, I'll jump off the soapbox. Coach, like tell tell the listeners what happened.
0: Yeah, so I started all of this um on a summer one time. And I was like, you know what? I again it goes back to what do I do? I break down film. And someone's like, Well, I'm just on YouTube. So I did. And I start. what I started doing was I started putting film on YouTube. I would put full game clips. I'd put all twenty two films that I would get from people. Um, I would break down film all day long, right? What's the difference between Duo and Inside Zone? And I think before I got taken down, I had like eighty thousand views on that thing. You know, wow. and what what it was for me was it was just a way for me to do what I love to do and to basically, you know, I just put it up there and I loved it. And I wasn't trying to make a bunch of money. I was literally just trying to pay for my Google Drive because I had so much film. And so um and so i went on for about th- i had it for about 3 years and i had like 10,000 subscribers and people would tell me what they wanted i would just go look for it you know or people would be like hey will you break down this game and show me what they did yeah absolutely here's what happened this is why they did it and so i started i woke up one morning and i mean i had stuff on there this is no joke so i had put a clinic on there that Jeremy Pruitt had done at University of Tennessee And I just put the clinic up for people. Well, in the clinic, he gave his cell phone number. I didn't even realize it. I just—I remember looking at like the last half of the clinic because I loved what he did. Mm -hmm. But the literally the University of Tennessee emailed me and was like, "Hey, listen, could I love that you got I love you're putting it out there. You gotta." But could you please delete his number off of it? And I was like, Oh yeah, sure, my bad. I'm so sorry. Cause he was getting
1: some some text.
2: That's bullshit. And here's <laughs> why. Here's why. I'm gonna jump in here. That's absolute because yeah. I know Jeremy Pruitt personally. He doesn't care. He doesn't care that his number's out there. There's a reason he gave it out. Jeremy Pruitt does not care who has his phone number. I can attest to you because somebody gave me his number. There was an old friend of his. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. And I texted him and said, I want to come to Tennessee. With Chris King from John Bosco, he said, Come on up. Not who is, well, I mean, he asked, You know, who is this, but how did you get my number? (laughs) You know, if he was really upset about it, he wouldn't have responded. And I know him and I know how he is. He, there's no secrets from that dude. So maybe he told, I, but I highly, highly doubt it. I, I have a feeling that that was a Tennessee thing. Yeah, you're probably right. And then it seems like these coaches are creeps, like, Oh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt has people going out there and who knows, maybe he changed his mind and said, you know, because the number he gave out is a number he's had since he was a high school coach. I know that for a fact. Yeah. It wasn't like some new Tennessee number, but so then people are going to think, Oh, well, Jeremy Pruitt's an asshole. He wanted, you know, he gives out his phone number and then he makes people take it down. Like, no, sorry. Well,
0: my philosophy was like, they just emailed me and they're like, Hey, yeah, absolutely. I'm not trying to make anybody look bad. I'm just trying to, dude, I'm trying to help out a bunch of coaches because I wish some stuff like this was out when I was starting right right that's what and i that's why I do what i do yes, because I had to learn the, dude, I sat there and slept on couches in colleges learning and guy like you, I just drove places like, hey man, can I come see you like sure, come on in you know i want I want to learn and so anyways, I get a uh YouTube sends me an email and says I've been hit with a copyright by uh but at Exos labs, which is owned by catapult sports. And I can, I can basically, I was like, I got one of them. I was like, okay, cool one strike. And then I proceeded to have 57 of them. They, they copyright struck me on every piece of film I had on there, even the ones where I was breaking down a play. And I, they said, you know, you can try to uh, fight it, but it's legalities and you may, may not go your way. And then they said, you know, you can reach out to the person who's made these copyright strikes. Well, it was this chick that works for Catapult Sports, and I tried to contact her like 10 times. Like, hey, guys, I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to create a site for people, yada, yada, yada. I'd love to work with you guys. Anything I could do, nope, just let it happen. So YouTube basically shut my entire account down, and I lost everything. I couldn't download anything. So I lost all the breakdowns I did and everything. So you know what? Screw it. I'm going to make another one. <laughs>
2: Well, that's crazy. Bro. You see, this is where college football's stupid. The NFL is smart. Yes, they have guys, they have guys on YouTube that talk about NFL, and all they do is they file a claim and they take your money that you make from the ads, and they take it and they pocket it because they know it's good for the game. That's but these right. schools and these companies, they're so short sighted and they only give a about the bottom line they only care about what's right in front of them screw the high school coaches that get these these college coaches and these college coaches don't care what one of these the guys tried to come after me because i played some clips of a georgia during a webinar on my patreon i was like talking about men or something he's like you know you need to take that down i'm like take what down he goes well there's some video you get some film I'm like which one why i don't know you're gonna have to go through them i'm like so let me get this straight you have such a problem with this that you don't even know what video I'm talking about. So I make sure I get this right. I say, here's the deal. If you got a problem, find the video and tell me which one it is and I'll take it down. Okay, sounds good. Then I remembered what it was and I just took it down and they left me alone. And it's just, you know, and I said to him, I said, is this about money? Because this is educational. This This is the other thing I don't get. You know, if the Jeremy Pruitt video that you're talking about was a Nike coach of the year. And I don't know if it's the same one, if it's a Nike coach of the year, if it's a glacier and it's something I I can kind of see that because they're selling it, but this, the college film, you can't buy it. Right. You know what I mean? Even the NFL, even the NFL that sells game pass does not come after people. When they put film up, I put a thing up. I got a copyright from the NFL. And I, I can't rev, I can't make any money off of it. I don't care. It's it's nothing. It's infinitesimal, the amount of money you make on ads from YouTube. In fact, all the guys that make money on YouTube, they do live ad reads if they're doing this stuff. It's, yeah. not, it's not from the ads. And, you know, to a group of people that are the backbone of this sport, you know, a lot of these guys, and I mean, a lot of these guys that I work with in California, they're making $2,500 stipends. Oh, I know. Half of them aren't even teachers. They do it because they love the game and they love kids. And they want to be better and they want to help their kids. And they want their kids to be in a position where they can go to the next level and arrive prepared. And these idiots that don't care about anything, they got the catapult has some new CEO from Amazon, you know,
0: is that what is that what, start, is that what changed everything?
2: I don't know, but I know that Catapult bought Exos very recently. And the CEO comes from Amazon. He was the CFO of Amazon. And, they, I, and I'm like, you guys just buy this. Sh-. And then in the first week, you're just going to go after people. And then here's the best part, Nick. They're trying to sell f- recruiting services to high school coaches. Are you oh, that, that dense? You're going to go after the that. people you're trying to sell stuff to? So you want to know what? I'm going to start this today. We're going to boycott. Let's let's start a boycott. Let's boycott any school that uses catapults recruiting services. If you're a coach from a university that uses catapults research for their recruiting services, we will not talk to you. You want to know how fast they'll stop these claims? Oh, I know. I'll give you a hint of how fast they'll stop the claims. Yes. And these coaches don't care. Most coaches I know, when you talk to them off the record, they're like, dude, if I could give you the film, I'd give it to you. But xyz blah 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 wouldn't appreciate that and it's nobody that cares about the competitive aspect of it
0: no they just want you dude this game like this is the greatest career in the shittiest profession like (laughs) amen it is i love talking ball i love like coaches that want to do shit the right way but man the bullshit excuse me that goes with it is unreal man And then you get guys like, then you get guys, the guys that just straight hate because you're willing to share information. Like there's coaches that, oh, he just just wants to make a buck. Bro, I don't make dick off of YouTube, man. I just do it because I want people to
2: enjoy it. You know, Catapult, if you're listening, just monetize it. And this is coming from me. Just get everybody on board, get your lives together and stop all the energy going after high school coaches and get together with these schools and tell them they're leaving a lot of money on the table. You want to pay college kids, want to get off their image and likeness, go ahead and sell NCAA Game Pass. Yeah. You guys could schedule games. And we all saw everybody says, oh, you can't do that. And everything moves at a glacial pace in, in higher education. Bullshit. I watched you guys schedule games in 48 hours this past year. If you want to get it done, yes. get it done. And if you don't, leave us alone. But I'm just, I'm just, I'm just over it. I'm, and, and somebody's like, dude, you're getting so worked up about this. You know, it's not even you. I'm just like, it's not about Nick. It's not about this YouTube channel. It's not about this. It's, it's about, about
0: the principle of the bullshit. Yes.
2: You know, a lot of people have taken their ball and they've gone home. James Light deleted almost all of his entire Twitter account. And a lot of people were very sad because there's a lot of stuff, but you know what? I'm not taking my ball and I'm not going home because I'm not tethered to a school and I got all the time in the world.
0: I was going to say, yeah, you, you have like, you have, you're good, man. Like you actually can be the person that stands up for some people. Right. You know, for me, I'm kind of like, I mean, you got a brand new
2: job. I mean, what do you, I mean, listen, you just got a brand new job. You're trying to buy a house. The last thing you're worried about is some, stupid youtube channel like somebody you know at your point like you just take the channel i don't care but i got nothing but time man and if this is and and like i said and that was no bullshit what i said to you on the on the tweet that i replied to you if this is my life's work now if this is what i do and this is the path i go down and this is what i need to do that's what i'm gonna do and i'm not trying to be a tough guy i'm not trying to i mean again uh, who am i i'm i'm a former high school coach that still helps out as some programs and whatever. But somebody somewhere along the line has to be like, enough is enough. And what they do is, and what pisses me off is they drown you in DMCA filings and they prey on the fact that you don't know the law and you get scared or you become apathetic and say, I don't need this crap, you know, but that's the thing, especially in a situation where you're not monetizing, it's fair use. I'm a, yes. It's fair yes, use. It's your it's educational purposes. It's to help coaches. And I know I've talked a lot about this. A lot of people might be rolling their eyes and go, yeah, yeah. You know what? Join the fight, man, because th- this is this is it. Cause you're gonna need guys like Nick who are selflessly putting stuff out. What incentive does Nick have? Before it was, oh, I'm doing it for the love of the game. And they're gonna be harassed. Didn't they threaten you? If you try to fight yeah. this, we can, we'll make your life yes. hell, basically. Yes.
0: Yes. I mean, and I was like, I can't do it. I was like, yeah, I can't deal with this, man. I got too much going on. Yeah. But yeah, they, they basically just try to, they try to bully you and scare you, man. That's, and they will, God forbid, they refuse. They, they're not going to talk to you. Yeah. Talk to your lawyers, right? Talk to the lawyers. I'm like, dude, I'm just a high school teacher.
2: Well, I have a lot of friends who are lawyers. So if that's the route we got to go down, that's the route we're going to go down. And I don't, I'm not looking for a fight. I'm not trying to be Mr. Tough Guy, but I'm just I'm just so sick of it. I'm sick of the guys. Like you said, it's the greatest job, the worst profession. You know, and everybody's making money except for the high school coaches and the lucky ones that do. Um, you know, I'm thrilled for him, but there are so many guys that do this for pennies on the dollar. And, and on top of it, they're going to be harassed by some multi-buku buck, million, billion dollar company like I know, man. Trust me, dude. I mean, I, I'm trying to find a way to say this without just snapping and, and going to a profanity-laced tirade. But anyway, now that uh, now that that's out of the way, I'm going to cut half of that. <laughs> 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 All right. So we got the website, com. What's your Twitter handle? Is it Coach Kadoody? At Coach Kadootie? Coach It's at Coach Kadootie. Perfect. And give us that spelling one more time. C-O-D-U-T-T-I. I, I I want to French it up all the time. I always want to go C-O-D-U-I-T-T-I, like you're some French guy.
0: Oh, really? Because everyone usually puts an N in it. They want to go, is your name con duty? No. No, dude, there's no N.
2: <laughs> no, I, I've typed it a 100 times on, like, different things, like uh, when we were getting the huddle stuff together, you know, I put your contact in my phone, and I always want to go C-O-D-U-I-T-T-I, but it's C-O-D-U. Yeah, you're hey.
0: Better than some. At least yeah. you didn't put
2: an in it. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And then um, now I gotta. Before I let you go, I know it's getting late, and you've got it. it's a school yeah. school day tomorrow.
1: Uh, yeah. There's a
2: question I usually ask at the end of every podcast. If it started on the defensive side, but I'm gonna give it to you. We're gonna start this on the offensive side. So here is the scenario. All right, right state championship game. You're down by two. You got a great kicker. Eleven seconds left on the clock. Fourth and nine from the thirty-five. Going in, you're trying to get the first. You feel you you really trust your kicker, so you're not going to try and hail mary or anything crazy. You're trying to get the first. You got a timeout in your pocket, and you want to try to get to the sticks to get the first. But you're not necessarily. I mean, you're not going to throw at the sticks. You don't necessarily have to throw at the sticks. But you got a timeout, so you don't necessarily have to throw an out unless you want to try to get another play. Right. An an extra play. But you're trying to get that first down. And kind of going back to what that college coach that you said early on, what he said, I'm going to ask you, what's your call? I'm
0: running wide zone boot, protecting the backside with an extra blocker. And I'm going to run the deep comeback with a single side receiver to the boundary.
2: Love it. Okay. Yeah, we. That was quick. That was quick. You thought about this.
0: No, I just, that's automatic. I guess that's what I'm going to do. Like I've done it before. (laughs) Like in that situation, that's what we're going to do because it gets the quarterback out of the pocket and I'm going to put my best receiver one-on-one and I'm going to force the outside linebacker down because of what we run previously. And I don't like kickers. So I'd rather just go ahead and (laughs) I'd rather go ahead and get the first down and move on.
1: There you go.
2: Um, Now. What do you? This is going back to a scheme question, but if you are running boot and you start to see that threat of edge pressure into where the boot's going, what's your uh, what's your get out of jail card there that you are going to play? Are you going to abandon the fake or change the protection? You know, you all of a sudden you see a safety sky down that's usually not that low, and you are thinking, oh, I think he might come. What's your what's your thoughts there?
0: So our quarterback, our quarterback, and our. Um... Or whoever our flat player always have a they have a comp we have a basically a, a verbiage we use. So if we see a safety roll down and we're expecting blitz off the edge, then the quarterback automatically abandons the boot. Now offensive line wise, I'm not changing anything. Everything I do makes is their life needs to be easier. So quarterback abandons and he throws the flat right now if he sees that safety not roll down. If the safety rolls down, he looks flat. Flat guy gets taken care of, and then he looks for the crosser where that safety was vacated from.
2: Always have an answer, Nick. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Man, I appreciate it. I'm glad, you, glad I had you me on. It was had a blast, actually.
2: Thank you. And thank you for letting me hijack a uh, portion of the show to yell at Catapult.
0: <laughs> I needed it, man.
2: I was cathartic. Thank you to Coach Kaduti for coming on today and talking about wide zone and some of the other adjustments and tags that he uses, as well as his candor discussing the YouTube situation. Follow me on Twitter at Coach Fast, the show's account at RunVastOption, also make defense grading at MDGA Podcast. Linktree.com slash Coach Fast has all the links, including links to Patreon, the YouTube channel. My website, my CoachTube courses, the CoachTube courses featured here today, and pretty much anything else that uh, I talk about in terms of links. Speaking of links, make sure you go to bit.ly slash Kurt QA register to register for the Kurt Warner Q&A webinar on Monday, April 5th at 8 p.m. East. If you're interested in asking Kurt a question, you can do so by going to bit.ly slash warner 13 Just fill out the form and get entered into the question bank. Just a reminder, you can watch the Blitz 21 Huddle Summit replays by going to blitz.huddle.com and log in using your credentials. All right, guys, see you next week.